I want to just first of all greet everybody watching via the internet. Thank you so much for watching this. Uh, in today's message, I'm going to talk about uh, overcoming self-condemnation. Uh, yesterday I read a verse in the Bible where it says um, that our hearts condemns us. And so many times we think people condemn us or God condemns us. But most of the time we condemn ourselves. And how do you overcome self-condemnation? And most of the time we want to project self-condemnation to others thinking they condemn us. And uh, there's a very easy way in how to get rid of self-condemnation. Uh, it's an awesome privilege to know the love of God, isn't it? Amen. Before we get into the message, I want to just, um, you know, thank the Lord for Tani Machta that's here with us. And uh, she had a, is it a spring in A stent, they put a stent in her heart because the vein became weak. And uh, uh, she had a, a small heart attack. And, but thank God, you know, everything got sorted out. And, uh, you know, so I thought of sharing it with everybody. So that everybody, so that she doesn't have to tell the story to everybody, you know. So we're just so grateful, um, you know, to have her here. Thank you, Jesus, for healing her. Also giving the doctors, um, you know, uh, an ability to understand these things and help in Jesus' name. Well, that's awesome. Bye, welcome, Tani. Okay, we're going to get into the message. Now, first of all, I want to just lay down a little bit of a foundation or an out, outlay of what I'm going to say. Uh, first, I want to talk about what was before creation. Um, then I want to uh, talk a little bit about what um, you know, self-guilt and self-condemnation is, how it happens. And then I'm going to talk on how to cure it. Now, if we're going to read, going to read in um, John 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. So what he says here, and it's very interesting, he says, in the beginning was the Word. And then it explains something, John explains something that the people of that time didn't understand. He says that this Word was with God and that this Word was God. So, and then the very next verse, he, he repeats himself. He says, the same was in the beginning with God, but it was also God. Now, those two verses is so elementary in Christianity. Without that, we actually have no hope. We have no gospel. Because what it explains there is that there was togetherness before creation. In the beginning was togetherness. Then things were created. So God functioned from a platform of togetherness. Um, if you say, and I've said this before, that God is love, you must ask yourself the question, who did He love? Before the earth was made. Before angels were made. Who did He love? The Father loved the Son. And there was togetherness or withness between the two of them. Now, this atmosphere is, uh, uh, to understand this, is so important in having a mature maturity in Christianity. 
You'll get away from guilt. You'll get away from condemnation. You'll get away from performance. You'll start to experience stability uh, in your relationship with God when you realize that the whole kingdom is all about fellowship. It's all about togetherness. We have been made in the image and likeness of God. We have our being in Him. That's why we want friends. Who of us can survive without togetherness? Nobody. That's why we get married. Sometimes we are so into togetherness that we will marry someone we, which is not even the best for us. Because of this great desire of being with someone. Because we have in our because we find our being in him, we cannot exist outside of having someone with us. And this is true in God. And the the wonderful thing about this that John reveals to us here is that from this togetherness everything was created. From this being together or withness, you know, God manifests everything. And that He, and, and I know I've ministered on this many times, but this is so important to understand. This is fundamental in healing a lot of problems we have in our lives. If we look at our financial situation, for instance, if you're in a financial situation where there's great need, look at what Jesus said. He said, listen, first seek the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God existed before the earth was made. And how this kingdom of God, before the angels were created, before anything that was created was there, it was already established. And this was a kingdom between three beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that are so together with each other that you call them one. Now, first seek this kingdom. And the right you have in a platform where you don't have to feel threatened. And all things shall be added unto you. For, now listen to the togetherness here and how Jesus explains it. He says, for you have a father that knows your very need. You're with your father. So what Jesus tries to explain here is, that the law system and a works mentality system brought distance and all its fruit with it. But God doesn't function from the platform of distance, but from the platform of togetherness. Now, when we look at the Trinity and we look on how God functions in heaven, you find a platform where um, performance is not the platform of quality of relationship. But being is. Who the Father is, who the Son is, who the Spirit is, is what each one of them sees. And from there we find absolute equity of character, the most holy kind of a life where you find the joy, where you find laughter. You know, do you know why we as humans like jokes? Because we find our being in God. Even if it's dry humor. You want to laugh. <laughs> Why? Because the Trinity is happy. 
They have got joy. The Bible says the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it means that in the Trinity, where the Father and Son lives, the kingdom they had there before anything was created, was each one of them has got a right. Each one of them has got joy. And each one of them has full harmony and peace with each other. And that is what the Trinity has invited us into. And that we need to understand. And this is what John tries to explain here. It says, in him, in this word, is life. And this life is what gives you light. What illuminates your mind. What illuminates the way you see others. What illuminates the way you judge yourself. Is the life that Jesus has in the Trinity. What that means is. When we can get it in our mind and get it settled in our heart that we are co-heirs with Christ, what that means is what He inherited in His resurrection is what we inherited. For we are co-heirs with Him. A co-heir means He inherited and I share in the inheritance. For someone to be an heir, he needs to qualify. You know, my children are my heirs. And you'll find that their children can be, might be heirs. And the children's children, I mean, they, they must be the heir of my son. So they are co-heirs. So they will inherit what my sons inherit. My grandchildren will partake in the inheritance my son has. And if my son decides to adopt a child, he will be a co-heir with him of what he inherited from me. Based on what my son has done. And all he's done was to be born. That's all. Because you don't work for inheritance. It's not supposed to be like that. Sometimes we work for inheritance. It's not supposed to be, you don't work for inheritance so that you can find enough favor with your father and then he'll give you something. No. Jesus had all the favor that mankind ever needed. And he inherited the whole kingdom of God. Now I thank God that he inherited the kingdom of God and not just heaven. Because when he inherited the kingdom of God, kingdom means the way God functioned. He brought to mankind and gave man the inheritance of, you are now a partaker of the Trinity. Meaning that you are now able to have a relationship with God free from being threatened. Or feeling threatened. Or feeling minderwaardig. Ek weet nie wat is die Engelse woord. Wat is die Engelse woord van minderwaardig? Insecure is not the word. Beautiful word. Insecure. You don't have to feel insecure in the presence of the Father. Because what we have inherited was the kind of life Jesus lives today. And that kind of a life, when we realize and awaken unto that kind of a life, we find that that illuminates 
our everyday life. The way you see your wife, the way you see your child, the way you see your neighbor. You start to love people. Glory to God. John, let's go to 1 John. It says there, um, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. You hear what he's saying here? <laughs> it's so beautiful. He says, listen, I want to tell you something about that which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning is that which was with God. From the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus, which is the message of our fellowship with God. He says this message, this Word of God living in fellowship with the Son, and then the Son came to earth and we could see Him, we could feel Him, we could see His eternal life. Eternal life meaning his quality of life that he perpetually lives. That he has between him and the Father. We have seen it. We partook of it. And we now want to declare this truth of this fellowship of a human being that took away the sin of the world. That seated at the right hand of God as the truth about you and for you. That you can believe upon this. That your fellowship can be with us. For our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know if I'm, you know, speaking to uh, the complicated, you know, but this bless me so much. The foundation of this whole thing is fellowship. How they fellowship together. It says, and these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message we've heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now let me explain this to you. The Bible says the light shines in darkness but the darkness did not comprehend it. Now when we look at light and darkness in the Bible light talks about the gospel talks about what Jesus Christ has come to do for us. Darkness talks about the legalistic system and all its consequences. Now what it says here, that in God, God is light, and in Him is none of this legalistic system at all. It is not in Him. That's why He says that the devil, Jesus says, you, uh, 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 the devil wants to come and take a hold of me, but he's got nothing in me. Because Jesus was not legalistic anywhere whatsoever in His heart, Satan could not take a hold of him because legalism wasn't in his heart. Because he is light. So in God, is, does, the system of disqualification does not exist. For he is light and in him is no darkness at all. Whatsoever. And this light will bring light to your whole body. This is what the Bible says. This is the light that came into the world that enlights every man. 
So what it means is that if you're Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter, when you get into this light and partake of this light, it will illuminate every area of your life. So when we can start to see that there's no separation between us and God, but that Jesus is the union between you and the Father, and you start to realize it's all about the wonderful fellowship in the Godhead, where Jesus fellowships with the Father, the Father fellowships with Jesus, where there is family life, where there's wonderful uh, joy. Think for yourself, you know, uh, uh, of a holiday time. When, where there's a happy, happy family together. Now last night I watched a movie that was a no-brainer. Sometimes you need to do those, do those movies. You know, you can cycle and still think of something, but when you watch that movie, you think of nothing. <laughs> a stupid movie. But you see this family on a, on a boat, you know, they, they got, they're on this yacht. And you just see them, you know, they're sitting together, they're cracking jokes, jokes, drinking wine, you know, they're just happy. Now, think of a scene like that, you know, where there's a happy family, where let's put all the business beside us, let's switch the phones off, where you can come with anything that's in your heart, because this family is together. We stand together. If you suffer, we all suffer. If you're happy, we're all happy. Think of a family like that. That is what he talks about here. That is what we call light. And it doesn't matter how well you obey the law, you will still be in darkness. For the law system is darkness. The system of, I will have God's quality of life by working something, can never produce withness. You know, competition <clears throat> does not bring togetherness. It brings separation. I can see for myself, you know. Say you've got ten friends and you go cycle together. And you start to win some of the guys. They don't want to be your friends anymore. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. They praise the euro, but the euro's got no friends. Because he's going to beat me again. Because his victory spells my defeat. Because in competition, you can never find family fellowship. That's why there's no competition in the Godhead. God doesn't try to be holier than you. God doesn't try to be better than you. He made you like Him so that these equals can have the highest form of life. And that life is what's defined by the Bible as light. It's a place of rest. And that light has got no darkness at all. It has not partnered with darkness. It has not partnered with legalism whatsoever. Now, this life that we see, uh, um, let me read verse 7 here. Verse 6, it says, But if we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth. So it says, if you say that you have fellowship with God, but you're still walking by the law, you're just lying. 
You're not walking in fellowship with Him. Your fellowship is with darkness, with legalism. Verse 7, But if you walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all our sins. Let me explain that. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, if we come to the revelation that there is no more competition between each other, there's no more competition between us and God, He's holier, He's the boss, I'm the slave, that kind of a thing. But when we realize He's the Father that gives birth to the same kind, which is us, when we start to realize that we find our being in Him, we start to realize this is about fellowship, talking to, having friendship with the Father and the Son, wherein His wonderful love and kingdom dynamics brings forth everything of His quality of life in your life freely because He was the giver of it all to all of us. When we start to see that, what we find is that His life is in us and it manifests in us. And this is, let me read verse 7 again there. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. So the moment we start to walk in that, we don't start to see people as sinners anymore. Their sin fall away. Because you get the revelation that when one died, then all died. And that the Lamb of God took away the sin of the whole world. And you start to walk in love towards others, born from the revelation of your witness with God. That's how we see this life manifest. So, thank God that... I was thinking so many times, you know, when you... um, the ministry that I have, I mean, we've, I've got the church here, and we do outreaches as well, and support ministries, and, and uh, you know, preach on the internet. So, I mean, I'm involved with the internet, and what happens there, and what people say there. So I would listen to a message here and there, and I would listen to people's comments, read some comments every now and then, what people write on some of my posts on Facebook. Or some emails people ask questions. And what I, what I see is that... Um, the gospel became a theory to many. Even the grace message is just a theory of, okay, my sins are forgiven and what and what. But the gospel is much more than a theory. It is a truth. Much more than a theory. You can call it a theory, but this is the theory of the truth. And when this becomes more than a theory to you in your mind, but becomes the very truth about who you are. I am really righteous. I am really in Christ. Christ is really in me. Amen? When that becomes the truth, not by your effort, but by your belief that results is a result of hearing this truth continually. When you start to, when that starts to happen, you find a manifestation of this truth in your life. You find stress starting to leave you. You find uh, that, that you, you remember the, vo- the, the message I taught on how to hear God's voice. Maybe I should preach on that again. Um, you know, where you've got the emotion inside you, you start to experience the kingdom dynamics of 
feeling love for people, feeling love for yourself, accepting people even if they are in their weakness or distress. Um, you start to see further than people's. And what happens is this blood of Jesus, this revelation of the blood that spells your union with God, cleanses not just you, but all people in your sight from their sins. And then you start to love people. For you don't see them for what they do wrong. You see them for you see them as God sees them. The way God sees people is this wonderful, innocent, paid for, perfectly designed in the equality of God person is enslaved under a system that is causing all these bad to manifest in this wonderful individual. That is how God sees. Therefore God's strategy will always be to get the person out of his wrong belief so that he can believe the correct thing so that God's life can manifest in him. You'll start to see things like that. Now, just something I want to throw in here for free. You, <clears throat> if that manifests in people around you, it doesn't mean that you need to have allow that if people like that would abuse you and misuse you you don't have to allow that you can still see that this person is a victim of a wrong belief but you don't have to be the victim of that belief you can just say no I don't allow this maybe you struggle with this maybe you are in legalism and this is hurting you but I don't assign this bad life to you but I assign it to the sin in you which is activated by the law so I see this as the lawman living in a body that was not designed for this and you are suffering in that body the real you is suffering in that body so I see you in a completely different way but I will not allow that to happen to me it's like uh, my son Years ago, you know, there was somebody going through a divorce. And then uh, his child was very unstable. And because of this instability, started to bully my child. Now, I'm not going to hate the bully. Neither am I going to hate the parent. I'm going to see these people as people that got paid for by Jesus, that is valuable to Jesus, who God loses breath over, but that doesn't mean that if they have not received this revelation, or if they have not heard this, or have not believed this, that I must allow them, or that system that's abusing them, to abuse my household. So I will stop there. You know, I will say, if you want to bully somebody, can't, can't bully my child. You know, so that is just the way, that's how I see it. So I just want to throw that in there. So when we see people as innocent, when we see people as paid for, we, it doesn't mean we allow them to abuse us. Okay, we don't lose our mind when we get the mind of Christ. You know, we get the real mind, you know, of, of people. So now we can deal with people on a, in a way that will really help them. Now, with that said, so this is what I, what I want to say. God comes and He invites us into His fellowship. This fellowship has got a natural inclination which is fruit that comes to your life. And every human being by design has got this in him. 
If you invest into something, you want to see some fruit. That's how God is. When God invested in man, He didn't just felt, I've got a passion to invest, so let me just invest, and then He was satisfied when He invested. It's like saying, I've got a lot of money, and I want to invest somewhere, so let me just invest it. And after I've invested it, even if I lose it all, I don't care because I get the thrill out of just investing something. No, no, no. The thrill is in the fruit it produces. So when God came and He invested in man, what pleases Him is when we believe in His investment and we find that his, when He sees His quality of life now in you, that pleases Him. It's pleasing to him. That's why the Bible says, um, you know, we, 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 those who seek him, pleases him. In other words, those who, who follow his natural desire, you know, in this wonderful relationship with God, it's pleasing to God when you believe in him. Because when you believe in him, he finds that you will now share in his quality of life, which he will produce in you freely. You know, um, I, I, I want to just share this about Henry, my middle son. He, he saw this thing on uh, the internet, a stabilizer for a camera. Now these stabilizers are very expensive. The moment you start to go to one that's good, they're about 4,000 rand, between four and 10,000 rand for a stabilizer. Now that means you can put a camera on this thing and run with it, and then it will not shake at all. Perfectly smooth. You know, like they do this thing that looks like a fly through the house thing. Now he wants one of those. So he showed me this thing on the internet. And I said to him, Well, we, we don't have to buy one, I can build one. <laughs> no, Dad. <laughs> you can't build this thing. I, said, I can build it. You see, I, I don't know how to build it, but I, when I see it, I know I can do that. I don't know how it works, but I'll figure it out. And to me, what is nice today is after we've built the thing, and he uses this thing now, I see his enjoyment of we together building this thing, talking about it, sharing, he watching, looking at how they advertise these things, and say this thing can do this, do this, and then we change it a bit until we got the thing right. And now we've got one for 300 rand. Because we built it ourselves. Amen. We can now sell it, you know, for 3,000 and make some money. <laughs> so anyway, it's, to me it's more of a challenge just to build the thing. It's a schlep to sell the thing. But anyway, so um, what's nice for me is when I see that he can believe and then at the end enjoy what comes out of this. That's the whole family thing. So God, and, and because we are like that, we want to see fruit in our lives. You want to see fruit in your life. You want, when you hear the gospel of grace, see more peace manifest in your life. You want to see that you love people. But now, the desert in the Bible is defined when Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, now I don't believe that the Holy Spirit leads us today, Jesus was led there to be tempted of the devil, but temptation happens when you are in a desert place. Now what is a desert? 
if we look at Jesus, wherever he would go, now this was in the beginning of his ministry, but if he didn't go to the desert, wherever he would went would all the time be the manifestation of his sonship. He would find miracles, he will find that he shared with people and they are happy, he will find people being set free, he will even find some, one of the characteristics of the kingdom which is to be persecuted. He will find all of that in his life and all of that would be fruit of this wonderful kingdom that he is in. But when he went into the desert, it was a place where he saw no fruit. He saw no fruit. He was alone. There was nobody to heal. There was nobody to share with. There was nobody that could see, uh, that, that, that he could see is now living this quality of life. There was nobody to be good to. So he could not be himself. Yet he was still the son of God. So the desert, or the place where you see no fruit, does not define your sonship. Because he was still the son in the desert, when he saw no fruit. But when you are in a place where you see no fruit, what emotion will come to your heart? This is what will come to your heart. The Bible said, after 40 days, Jesus became hungry. Now, I do believe that physical hunger was in him after the first five hours. Because he was a normal human being. But the hunger that was there was a kind of a hunger that Satan could use to tempt him based on his sonship. So he said, if you are the son of God, take this bread and let your sonship be based on your works. So what he was hungry for was a manifestation of fruit. That was what he was actually hungry for. He wanted to see him, who he, he wanted to see what he know is really in him manifest, but there was nobody there. Now Jesus had to be taken physically into the desert away from all people, otherwise it would just manifest all the time. But this is a very good thing for us to see. Because maybe in our life, you know, we've got an unbelief or something that causes us not to have fruit. But that doesn't change our sonship. You're still a son. Even if you see no fruit. You're still a son of God. Even if you shout at your wife or you shout at your husband. You're still a son of God. Even if you lose your temper with your children. You're still a son of God. Even if you don't see the fruit of peace in your finances. You're still a son of God. But the hunger, there will be a hunger in the lack of fruit, there will be a hunger rising in your heart tempting you. Now I believe that that hunger comes with a certain emotion. And that emotion is guilt. We feel guilty because we don't see fruit. And when we start to feel guilty, when we don't see fruit, we go into the next phase where we say, well, if I am a son of God, then I will have to have this fruit. And that's what you call condemnation. And that is self-condemnation and self-guilt. It's not God. It's self, not God. Because you cannot find your life by the fruit you bear. You find your life by the word God speaks. That's what Jesus said. I don't find my, fruit by, my, my life by the fruit. I find my life by the word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, how will this be cured? Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say? Wonderful fellowship brings natural fruit. 
should there not be natural fruit, you will find a desire for fruit because that's your design. In this desire for fruit, when you for a continual period don't see it, you'll find an emotion come to your heart which was described in the Bible as hunger or a desire for or I would say when, I, when you feel naturally, if I look at my own life, when I feel a desire for fruit, many times it's accompanied with the emotion of guilt. Well, maybe I should be more friendly, you know. If I think of myself, um, because I can only do one thing at a time, then I use all my energy to do the one thing. So if I think of something, say I'm busy building that thing for my son, that stabilizer, and somebody would see me in the street, they would say I'm a very unfriendly person. Because I will be talking to myself, walking in the street like a madman. I saw people in shops sometimes look at me because I talk to myself loud. <laughs> that is called in the Bible meditation. I'm spiritual. It's a wonderful gift. <laughs> but maybe it's not practiced in public. But it, it happens sometimes by itself. And then I would think and I would build the thing and the guy says, Sir, sir are you okay? Yes, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, so, and, and, this, and, and that's what happens you start to talk to yourself and you, start to, and, and, and you start to say to yourself well, and this is what happened to me maybe I should be more friendly because I mustn't be so deep in thought because people are going to think I'm not friendly I should be more friendly and eventually when I start to feel that I'm when I lose my tempo I get upset or something happens and I would say well and guilt starts to grab a hold of my heart. And that's actually, the, I want to see that fruit, but now I feel guilty. And that guilt gets you to a place where you want to put yourself under law. And that is, that's what you call self-condemnation. Condemn means to disqualify. So you don't qualify. Now, the way we, we get that cured is written in John 3. I'm going to read from verse 14. It says, and I'm going to end off with this passage. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whosoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his bowels of compassion for him, how does the love of God dwell in him? My little children, let not, let's not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So what he says here is, the way in which we assure our hearts, your belief system, what you believe. Now, I believe I am... A child of God. Even if I have fruit or not. It doesn't matter. I am what he says. But my heart, our belief system, the way we are designed, needs to see that manifest. Now the way your heart will be assured before God is by the fruit. Your heart wants that fruit. Not God, your heart. Your heart wants that fruit. The, when, the reason why God wants the fruit is... Because he wants you to have that quality of life. Now, this is what he says here. He says, if you hate your brother, you are abiding in death. Because de to live a life where you hate people is death. That is not life. That's not quality of life. 
But when you can love people, that is quality of life. Now he comes and he says, when we abide in his word, which is what he says about us, then he shall bring forth fruit in us. We're going to read that now, and as we read it, you will see it. And then he says, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than this wrong belief that you have. And He knows all things. Let us continue in what comes naturally to us and do the natural good thing and not focus on the thing that you don't do but on what is manifesting in your life where there is assurance for your heart and God will supply every need that your heart needs and your life needs to have a heart assured in every area of your life. Let's read it. It says, Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment I'm not going to explain that now and he that keeps his commandment dwells in him and he in him so what is the commandment of God? the commandment of God is to believe in Jesus if you keep the commandment of God to believe in Jesus and to love based on the belief in Jesus which I've explained for the first 15 minutes here where you see people innocent and those kind of things When that happens, then your heart gets assured before God. But should your heart not see fruit, don't try now and produce the fruit by your works. Because that is what you call self-condemnation and furtherance of guilt. And that will bring forth sin in your life. I wrote it down this way. Let me see if I copied it. I said, uh, the, the desert... Or this self-condemnation is the emotion of guilt that results when you give into self-condemnation that results even into more sin starting a vicious circle. So what it says here, and, and, and the way I see it is, when you don't see fruit, don't focus on where you don't see fruit because your heart can never be assured before God in the area where you don't see fruit. You are already assured before God by Jesus from God's perspective. But your heart, your belief, what you believe about yourself needs assurance. You will find that, um, you know, somebody will say to you, I, I, last night I, I walked past the television, I saw Rocky was on. You know, and I saw, see the trainer, he says, Rocky, you are the best. Now maybe Rocky doesn't believe he's the best. In that case he did, but let's say he didn't. Then his heart wasn't assured, but the trainer's heart was assured. God's heart is assured of your righteousness. But maybe your heart is not. And what will bring assurance to your heart is a couple of things. Number one, what God says, obviously. But when that is confirmed with fruit in your life, your heart is assured. This is what the Bible says. He says here, by loving people, we assure our hearts before God. So, when you feel that you want to do something good to somebody and you've got passion to do it, just do it. It will be the most wonderful thing that can happen to you. If you see somebody on the street suffering and you feel, I'm, he's begging there, I'm going to go right now to some clothes shop and buy him a jacket and whatever and give it to him, you just do it right there. Because what your heart will say, not God will say, your heart will say is, God lives in me. 
And let us live that way as God brings it in our heart. And let us look at what God does bring forth in our heart. That assures your heart before God and gives you confidence that God can even in the area where you don't see fruit, where your heart condemns you, give you what your heart needs, whatever you ask of God. When Jesus was in the desert, he became hungry. He became in need of the manifestation of who he really was. And if you look at his, he resisted the law, he said, I'm not going to prove that I am the Son of God by the fruit in my life. I know God says it. And all he did was, he said, I believe what God says, and I'm not going to give in to this guilt. And what did God do? God saw the, what his heart was asking. And whatsoever he asked, God gave him. In the next week, when he went and healed the sick, did the miracle at the wedding and all those kind of things. So in my heart, the heart of Batty Brits needs certain things. And it does have certain things. I am not going to look at, you know, um, you know my, my ability to be tidy compared to Simone Boyson in town. You know, because she is really tidy. If I want to if, if I want to judge my sonship there, I fail. I'm never going to make it. If I want to judge my joy based on how someone else has joy, I'm never going to make it and I'm going to always feel condemned. But say I, I want, I've got a need for more joy. God sees that request that my heart has as asking Him for joy. But it's very difficult to receive from God when your heart continually condemns you. So how will we not have a heart that's condemned? By looking at what God does do in you. By looking at what God does say to you. The gospel does work. Jesus gave His Son. Bertie has been set free. I am a child of God. To the point, and the Trinity fellowship with fruit does work. You know, I don't base my sonship on the fact that we've got a church here that reaches thousands of people, but this does assure my heart. I get the word from God, which I believe, and this is the confirmation of what God says. And as I, as I fellowship in, man, you know, Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you for this wonderful fellowship. It does bring forth such wonderful fruit. We get emails on a weekly basis of people's lives being changed, people being healed, people's finances coming right, marriages coming right, people get set free from homosexuality, people get, getting set free from depression. We get all those things coming on a weekly basis. Thank you so much. This is wonderful to see that I can partake in this quality of life. Maybe over here I see something that's completely out of line, but I'm not focusing there. Because if I focus there, my heart is not assured, I've got no confidence, my belief is down the drain, and I became legalistic by focusing on that negative thing, judging myself by that. So we look at what, not what we do, by what God does in us, and we thank God for that wonderful fellowship, and now I've got confidence that whatever requirement my heart has, God will meet that need. Let me read that verse the last time. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. 
if we love one another. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God, and whatsoever we ask we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments. So you see, when you keep it, your heart is confident when you keep His commandment, His commandment is to believe what He says about you. So look at what He says, and look at what confirms what He says, with what He says as the foundation. Never make what manifests the foundation, even if it's good or bad. Make His Word the foundation and the confirmation of that. Thank God for that. Amen. And He, because He's greater than your wrong belief in a certain area of your life, knows your need and the need your heart has in that area and He shall supply it. So the way in which you get rid of self-condemnation is to continue to hear what He says about you, until you find belief rising in your heart and you believe the good that he says about you you follow the passion in your heart like when I felt to give that bucky you know for, for, for the guy in Lesotho just follow the passion it was a big schlep to get the whole thing done but thank God you know it's done on Wednesday we're taking the vehicle up so um, we, 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 I just followed that and now my heart is enjoying what it is to be a giver. So this heart is not hungry. It's not hungry. Because I am experiencing what God does in my life. I am experiencing that fellowship. My fellowship is with a father and with a son. Should I have not given that, what would have happened? Would God's mind change? No, I would just become hungry for confirmation. My heart will become hungry for confirmation. So when God works and when we are in fellowship, we find certain passions and certain things coming to our life. You know, and when we start, when we are under His influence, and just allow that to happen. If you feel in your heart, I need to just send this person a text message, tell him or her, I think about you, and I just did a prayer for you. I know you're going through a hard time. Just do that. Your heart will immediately, you will find that you are not hungry for confirmation. Because you are eating all the time. You are seeing the wonderful fruit, you know, of the gospel in your life. Just let Christ be. Just let Him be in you. Because this is a partnership thing. This is a fellowship thing. It's God's not forcing Himself down on you. And this is how it happens. And you will find that you see so much less of your own mistakes. You will find that guilt leaves you. And you will not condemn yourself into legalism wherein you see even more bad fruit. Glory to God. Isn't that awesome? The wonderful thing of his quality of life. And you know, this is so difficult to explain. I'm going to just touch on this once again. I, just also for the people watching via the internet. That we don't get confused into legalism here. When we experience his quality of life. And we see. To the point that we see that fruit effortlessly. Manifesting in our life. We will never become hungry. Meaning. We will never focus on our mistakes. Meaning, 
that God will sort it out effortlessly. But when we take the gospel as a mere theory, but not the real truth about our lives, we will find that this little fruit, and then you'll get to a place where you are the child of God, where you are approved of God, but where your heart condemns you. And there you'll struggle with guilt, you'll struggle with legalism, you'll be so open to legalism, and life will be miserable. So the end of this whole thing is this. Let what God says about you not be a theory, but the truth. You are a co-heir. Not shall be, you are. You are His kind. He lives in you. He likes you and He loves you. He wants to be with you. He's so at home with you that He left heaven to come and live in you. He made earth to come and dwell with you. That is not a theory. It is God's honest truth. Take some time and sit down and just think about this for five or ten minutes. Like during the worship here. Let it saturate your being and you'll find effortless fruit and guilt and self-condemnation will fall from you. Effortlessly. Thank you Jesus. Let's close our eyes. Father I want to thank you for this awesome message. I'm so encouraged by this. You have blessed me again for this message. Thank you, Lord, that the end of it all is to have fellowship. And we cannot walk in darkness. Thank you, Lord, that your light illuminates our life. And we don't take part in any darkness, legalism, works oriented living at all and Lord even when we become hungry when we say when we don't see the fruit and our natural desire is of the quality of life that you possess and we don't see it you are even greater than the negative condemnation our heart speak to us and as we believe in you you bring forth the fruit and our confidence grows as we see who you are manifest in us. Thank you, Lord, that this is not a one-sided relationship where we cannot partake in fruit, where it's just your fruit. Thank you, Lord, that your fruit can be born in us by you and we can be partakers of your fruit, that we can know how it feels to be happy, how it feels to have peace, how it feels to be generous, how it feels to live free from fear, how it feels to love, how it feels to be kind. We could never produce the real thing by ourselves, but you share it with us. And as we go home today, Lord, thank you that you touch every person's heart, Holy Spirit, by reminding them of what they have freely received in Christ. 
This revelation is so simple yet so deep, so fundamental. It revolutionizes our belief and our thinking. Thank you, Lord. And in so doing, you give us your life. I want to pray for everybody watching via the internet. I just tell you right now that you are accepted. Self-condemnation falls from you. As we as a congregation agree with the whole world that's watching this, people that watch this all over the world, we agree and we say you are set free. I think of the people that don't have churches, great churches to go and fellowship at, that sit alone, that's waiting every week to watch this. You are deeply appreciated by God. He loves you. Um, as your natural desire is fellowship, withness with people of the same mind, we think of you and we pray for you that uh, a church might arise in your area, that you may fellowship, have, have good fellowship with people that are like-minded. We declare you blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, guys. Those of you that want to give, feel free. Please order this CD um, and go and listen to it again and again. This will really, really, you know, um, as, as I, uh, you know, in the week, <clears throat> but about Tuesday, I was thinking on what to preach on, on Sunday. And uh, as I was thinking of this the whole week, it just brought so much joy to my heart. You know, self-condemnation, self-guilt, how it just falls from us. And uh, it, it, please order this, you know, you, you, that you can listen to it again and again. Give it to a friend that struggles with this. Thank you so much, guys. God bless.